about to show about D.A.R. Are you with me? It's show time. The host fine. We smooth like wine. And I'm looking at my watch. It's about that time. We just make you are now tuned in to D.A.R. Sports Media. And we are here with our biggest episode ever because we have the reigning, defending MLW World Heavyweight Champion. He is the leader of the Bumaye movement. He is the suplex assassin. He is Alex Kane. Alex Kane, woo! Hey, let's get it. I'm here with Alex Kane, here with the true God. Tonight we're going to go over what things informed Alex Kane how he does what he does, what his favorite era of wrestling is, some old shows, some nostalgia, because you know we love nostalgia here on DAR Sports Media. And then we're going to go in a little bit about how he's going to toss around Jacob Fatu this Saturday night on MLW Fightland on Fight. Start off, though, Alex Kane, you had a little bit going on um, talking about Mr. T, the Mohawk. You said you had an awesome Mohawk story for us. So let's start off with Movies, shows, uh, television. What's your favorite stuff? And has any of it informed what you do, how you do things now? Uh, I mean, the stuff that I watched growing up, I mean, other than professional wrestling, didn't really inform anything that I do. But I mean, like, uh, I think like growing up, I watched all the cartoons that most kids watch, Rocket Power, Dexter's Laboratory, um, what else? Uh, wild thornberries. Uh, there's rugrats. All of all, almost almost all of the the shows that most kids watch, grew, up, grew up watching. Um, and then like now, um, anything anything that has like suspense to it, anything that has like a good story to it. Right now, me and my wife are watching Blacklist. I'm watching it again. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that show. Um, what if we, we watch like, well, she likes to watch the Real Housewives. I'll, I'll sit there and watch it or whatever. Because there's some good drama. There's some good stories there as well. Um, but yeah, really anything that has any like suspense or like, um, or some good action or like just some good story. Like, I really wish I had them on the top of my head right now. So the Mohawk story, you said you liked Mr. T and informs kind of how. So I saw, I think my dad was like watching like old, um, some old TV shows and he, the A-Team had came on and he was watching this and I'm like, this is dope. But then when I saw Mr. T, I'm like, he had all the gold chain, he was Jack, um, and then he had the Mohawk. And like, I had never, I had never seen a Mohawk on a black dude whatever so i was really taken back um and like i had to literally like fight with my dad like back and forth trying to trying to be able to cut this mohawk into my head he's not going for it so my dad's like super he's not like super conservative christian but he's like he likes to like keep up appearances a little bit not so much anymore than church but at the time he was like really about keeping up appearances so like he was like, no, we can't do that. It's not gonna look good. Uh, it's not gonna look good with the rest of us. Um, and it took my he ended up letting my older brother get one, which really pissed me off. Oh wow. He, he had started playing football, so I was like, I guess I gotta start playing football to get a mohawk. Uh so that's what I did, and we finally put I'm finally cut it. Um and then he was like, You can only wear it for the season and you gotta cut it off. I'm like but I'm going to wrestle after this. So can I keep it? And he, we kind of like negotiated that. Um, but like, I think like seventh grade is when I, when I really started wearing it and I would cut it off. I think by like end of eighth grade, it was like, it was my hairstyle. Like everybody, that's how everybody knew me. Um, like every, that's what everybody would say. This is your haircut. Um, I had a family friend tell me that, uh, I better enjoy wearing the Mohawk now. Um, when I was uh, when I was a teenager, because when I'm an adult, I can't wear it anymore. There's no line of work to go into. <laughs> <there."> I was <laughs> like, 
Oh, I got you on that one. Um, so, like, anytime I see him, I was joking about that. You sure couldn't wear it for my life. That was a, a part of my image. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, wrestling-wise, grew up watching wrestling. Uh, that's awesome. Because sometimes, we get a lot of people on here who are like, you know, I started watching when I was 10, 12, 13. And I, rarely is it, you know, like me, where I started when I was like four or five years old. It sounds like, what age were you? It was pretty young when you started getting into wrestling? I think I was, I think I was like five. Yeah. I was in, yeah, I was about five. Um, my first, like, like, I mean, like, I would see, like, my brother, my older brother would watch it, and I think that's how I initially got into it. But I, I wouldn't watch, like, the show itself. I would watch for the pyrotechnics um, and the stages that they had for, for different pay-per-views. Like, I would literally go on the computer. I didn't care about the card at all. I'd be like, I type in, what did the stage look like? Yeah, I want to and see what the stage. Like, that was part of what was the most exciting, one of the most exciting things to me. Like, I, I can't wait to see what they do with the stage tonight. So what What about about what year was that? Years were that? Because it sounds like it was kind of late 90s because that's when they had, like, yeah, so like, many different stages that were just amazing all the time. Maybe like 99. Yeah. 99, 2000. Um, but, yeah, but I was so, like, enamored with stages and the power of and stuff like that um i don't think i really got into like maybe like watching the wrestling itself um until maybe like middle school um but like the first like the wrestling movie that i ever saw was stone cold demolition um and it was like i think it was like him it was him kane and maybe undertaker i think it was going into like uh their first blood match uh, I think it was also in like I think it was it was in a, I think it was in a cage a cage match or something or some like something like Hell in the Cell some shit like that. Um, but like I would watch it every single day to the point where my mom got sick of it and destroyed it. <laughs> so, have you ever being such a big stage guy and from this era, have you ever gone back and watched a Survivor Series 1998? Yes. Yes, with the sick, the skull, and the in the entranceway, isn't that the fucking best? Yeah, that shit is amazing. Like they used to try, and now they don't try. And it, it makes me sad. But like, um, man, I like uh, fucking what was it? Uh, well, I think it was like Vengeance. I can't remember what year of Vengeance it was. It wasn't a year where they had the big ass B in the big screen, but they had yeah. like. It was like a larger version of a of a raw set. I really enjoyed that one. I play SmackDown Shut Your Mouth pretty religiously, so anytime I play like an exhibition match, I'm putting myself in that arena. Um, no Way Out was fire. Um, Rebellion, Insurrection. Yeah. Um, backlash with the movie. Backlash, on. backlash with the big sickles. Yes, I was about to say that. That somebody almost got decapitated. Yeah. By moving arms. Um, I think he said it might have been Jeff Hardy or it might have been somebody in the office itself, which is insane. Um, Judgment Day when it had the tombstones as the set. Yes. Um, man, so many good, so many good stages. So many when they stages. had, um, they had I, the other day because I'm doing a rewatch. Um, I, and I was on King of the Ring 2002, and that was the one they had that gigantic chair, fucking chair. Yeah, like what the hell, man. That's that shit was crazy. What, what was was that the same year? Uh, it was what was it, Kurt and Shane? And Kurt yes, kept to the glass through the glass and he couldn't break it. Yeah, it was crazy. But like, shut your mouth is fun because you can climb up, you can climb up on the yeah, chair. up on the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do any uh WCW back then or now? No, I didn't. Um, no, I didn't because they had in the, in the late 90s, their stages were fucking amazing like if you're a bit you know into stages stage mark like definitely go check back like um i think Alan havoc I mean, always had ridiculous ones always, uh yeah. spring stampede spring stampede is a little bit schlocky but like it's so cool to me uh bash the beach was fire that's hell that's yes Hog, i can't i don't know what year of how wild it was but i think it was they were at this like big ass like outdoor 
uh, venue or whatever. They had all the bikers and stuff like that. It's uh, Hog Wild and Road Wild. Yes, that's so sick. Um, I think it was one of the one of the I think one of the main show WCW sets. Like the like it opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the smoke coming out, and it was like a cyborg door. It's Saturday night, WCW Saturday night. Absolutely. Um, and then there was a there was another one that moved that I really really liked. Um, and I think the I think the entrance of the stage was different too because I think I think they went off to the side and then came down on a, um, a, the Super Bowl Super Bowl in the Cow yeah, Palace is what it was. Yeah. Man. Um, the Nitro set is is like a classic, like just a yeah, perfect Nitro wrestling set. Five. Yeah. I do like the Nitro set. If like if I if I if I do play Ninja Two K games, like I'll if I make a show, like that's 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 one of my favorites. One of the ones to check out, and not so much for the set, but like for the venue, because you said you like Hog Wild, and I always loved in Hog Wild when they would get like a little bit later into the show, they would do the wide shots, and you would see the sunset behind the fucking the mountains that are right there. Mm-hmm. Just incredible shit. Um, Bash the Beach '95. It's on the actual beach, and you could see the waves rolling in behind them. And there's the Macho Man goes against Ric Flair, and he does this beautiful flying elbow with a wide shot, and you could see the ocean waves rolling in behind him, flying through the air. For the, it's fucking incredible. Not only that, but it's Vader and Hogan in the main, and Vader cuts this promo on Hogan where he says, motherfucker. Well, he didn't say motherfucker, but it's that was the vibe. It was like, you think this is your home turf? You're from Venice Beach? I'm from fucking Compton, brother. He says that because mm-hmm. <laughs> Raiders from Compton. And <laughs> this is a home field for me, brother. I'm from Compton. Let's go. And like goes out there. It's it's an amazing show, too, for venue, for stage, all that stuff. So yeah, man, if you're if you're into that, maybe take a look whenever you get the chance. Um so as you got a little bit older, favorite wrestlers, favorite shows, are you? A, do you um, consider yourself more of an Attitude Era guy or a Ruthless Aggression Era guy? Definitely Ruthless Aggression. Um, if I did see any, I don't even know if I saw anything from the, from the Attitude Era as a kid. Um, like definitely going back and watching some of it, uh, um, you know, in my adolescence and even now, um, I can still see definitely how it was so entertaining. Like, I always say like the the I think the pace between the attitude era and the ruthless aggression era was still kind of the same. Um, the ruthless aggression era matches, unless they were like big matches, they really weren't that like like they were sound matches, but they weren't they were nothing like today. Yeah. Um, but like the more the long I mean I've only been wrestling for like five years, but like like probably going on six. Um, but like the more I watch it and the more I kind of think about it, um, the, the how they structured their matches in the Attitude Era was actually genius. Genius. They, I think everybody had like four, maybe five moves, and everything else in between was punches and kicks, talking shit, yeah. doing stupid, or whatever. Probably to pop each other, or the people, the boys in the back, and the fucking crowd. Um, and I think the same thing kind of. Kind of with the roots of aggression era, like that, those two eras of wrestling, just from a wrestling standpoint, a fan standpoint, are probably my favorite because there's so much story going on. Like, their story backs, like, I was, I, I'm more interested in most of the time in more of the backstage stuff than some of the in ring stuff, um, especially in that era because all of that was so good. Every, I, I felt like, like the raw, I think the rosters were pretty. A pretty decent sizes, or whatever. But I feel like everybody was on screen. Everybody that was on that roster was on screen in some way, shape, or form, and that's what I really, really enjoyed. No, that's good, and that's I mean, that's what people talk about to to this day is the level of depth that that roster had in that era, and how everybody had something to do and something going on. Um, what you what you hit on there was interesting though, because I've definitely noticed it. I've seen uh, you know, you said you said you're going on five years. And I was at pretty much every show up there for two years. So I've seen a pretty good chunk of your career <laughs> live. And it, it's definitely, uh, you integrate what you were talking about into the, your matches. Um, talk a little bit about, because I saw you talking about it on um, Twitter a, a little while ago, is, is 
you know, so many people get caught up in the next big spot to the next big spot to the next big spot when when really it's the, it's the emotion and it's the little things and the transitions that really grip people into the matches and the shows. Oh, man, like, like when I first started wrestling, like, I mean, like, talking about A.R. Fox, like, he didn't necessarily teach us, like, his, like, how he wrestles or whatever, but, like, he would always try to instill, like, psychology and stuff like that. And, like, he, like at the time, I wasn't, I was listening, but I wasn't really listening. Um, so I was still trying to go out there and, like, have, like, the super spotty match or, like, have, like, the super crazy match and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I would only take it to a point. Like, I really haven't done any anything too wild in my career. Um, but, like, like now, especially, like, being at, like, MLW and, like, like watching how – I watch a lot of WWE. Um, I like how they structure things. I, have, I like how they produce things. Um, and, like – they are, from what I can know, they're really big on like the moments. Like, like the moves are whatever, or whatever. The moves are whatever. They're really big on the moment. Um, so like, like I, I don't have to like for me like suplex assassin, all these damn suplexes. But if you really think about it, I've probably and throughout my entire career in MLW, I've maybe I've throughout my entire career maybe I've done like two or three thousand suplexes or whatever. But there's it's like. Like now I'm kind of getting, I'm trying to, I'm, now I'm kind of like reaching outside of like the normal ones that I would normally throw, tiger suplexes and shit like that. Um, but like what I've noticed is I'm having the most fun when I'm like in the in-betweens of these spots and stuff where I'm talking shit. Yes. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm dogging out my opponent. I'm talking shit to the crowd if I'm a heel, but now it's really also who my age for people shit my favorite thing to fucking say uh, but like that crowd work in between and like the the um you know talking down to your opponent or, or what whatever it may be like those are those are my in between that's what i like um that's what keeps me going that's what that's what has me having fun enough like i i notice a lot when i'm like either teaching a class or training or i'm just there you know listening to fox like and these guys will do this they'll do the spots or they'll do the practice matches um, or they do a little drill, and like there's nothing in between what they're doing, and it's like, dude, like you. A lot of people get so caught up in getting uh, like being blown up in a match, but like if you would literally just take a second, slow down, do something else, talk like it's a video game, talk some shit, some do do something else other than some kind of movement, you can conserve energy. But if you're constantly going from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, yeah, of course you're going to be blown up. That was, um, I'm pretty known about my peer group is like being able, being good at being able to identify people early. Like that guy's going to go far. Like this guy's going to do it. And one of the main things that I always say is watch which people have the awareness and the confidence throughout a match to do exactly what you're doing. If, if that's, that's a comfort and awareness and cool, uh, you know, being confident in what you're doing, having good awareness to where you can slow down and talk some shit to the crowd in the middle of what you're doing or or make something mean more or turn something around during a match. Um, so, yeah, 100%, 100% on the ball with all that. Like, you had a you, you had a, go ahead. Like, a lot of the times, like, people will try to, like, get me to, like, not talk in my matches, like, Oh, we need you to be like focused, serious. I'm like, like that's cool or whatever, but that's gonna make me rush through things. Like, I'm using this talking or, or whatever, what I'm doing in between or whatever, like pace myself. So I will definitely be talking lots of shit. Well, and it's and it's and it's also, um, you know, like Booker T said that Psycho Sid taught them once upon a time. It's more time for development of who you are that's shoved into a match. Like, you know, you get your, you get your promo time, but you also have that camera time where you can even delve a little bit more into who you are and what you're out there to do. Speaking of that, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, we were talking about the Mohawk and Mr. T what informed who you became and, and the style that you took suplex assassin in the ring. I think a lot of people would, would go with the Taz uh, comparison because of the suplexes and uh, a little bit similar size, but I'll let you tell, what you know, if anything, informed what you became as far as what you do in the ring. So, 
like I don't get me wrong, I knew who Taz was. I didn't know the extent of his career at the time. Um, yeah, you're a little I, young for that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I learned I learned about ECW Taz like after like I kind of put everything together for myself. But like I always like even when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a powerhouse. Um, and as a kid, I mean, I, when I, growing up, I was tiny, like. Uh, like as like as like as a little kid, tiny fucking middle school, tiny. I, even high school, a little bit, kind of kind of big, but still kind of tiny. Um, but I always wanted to like I every sport that I played, I played big as fuck. So like I always wanted to be like a big wrestler. Um, and wrestling in high school, wrestling in college, like I did those things to prepare me for professional wrestling. So. I knew when I started training, I wanted to throw suplexes. I wanted to do, you know, shoot wrestling things in the ring. Um, so, like, I had settled on throwing suplexes from, like, day one. Um, but, like, the suplex assassin thing kind of came along from uh, – I did, I did a tryout for Evolve at one point, um, and I was, like, a year – like a year, year and a half in. Um, and uh, old Gabe Sapolsky basically told me that I didn't have what it took. Um, I didn't have charisma. I didn't have a character. I didn't have all this. Now, charisma, obviously I have it, um, but I didn't know what it was at the time. And he wasn't really telling me what charisma was. Um, the character I didn't have um, so, like, I went on the video game, and I was, you know, creating a character, as one would do, um, and I saw Assassin, and I was like, I want to go Suplex, Suplex Assassin. This could be cool. This could be awesome. very cool. Yeah. Um, I did all my little Googles to make sure no one else is a Suplex Assassin, and I was like, I'm sticking with this and running with it. Um, so, like, that's kind of, I I guess that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, that's awesome. It's very, very modern. I think a lot of people who listen can can relate. Um, and then, like, I guess, like how I'm, how I am in the rain, and like how I am in promos and stuff. I get a lot of that inspiration from like uh, Terrell Owens, uh, Chad Ochocinco, Deion Sanders, um, Brian Dawkins at some points, Marshawn Lynch at, some, at other points. Like, not so much. I mean, like, I definitely have my wrestling influence with Steve Austin The Rock. Um, but like those outside of wrestling influences are probably greater um, because like what drew me to them is that they were characters in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, funny, it's a little, little story before we go to the Bumaye movement, because I want to talk about that too. But I had a, a small encounter that, that you didn't realize, but there was a time a couple of years back where you and Calvin Tankman were having some issues. And mm -hmm. the movement ran on hit ran up on him in the back parking lot of the 2300 arena. And a lot of people don't know this, but they might be able to see it now. Right before that happened, right before, I was pulling around in my pickup truck to leave. And I said, oh, shit, I know what kind of lights those are. And I started to pull over. And then you guys jumped out. And I parked really quick and I slid down in my chair because I did not want the boom I ate to whoop my ass too for seeing it. But in that whole MLW segment, my pickup truck is visible right behind you guys doing work. <laughs> I'll post I can see. That's crazy. I'll post a picture of it when uh, in the promo stuff for this. But uh, yeah, that was that was funny. I'm like, I'm in there forever. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to taste none of that pain. Um, so the Boom A movement, tell us about it. It's a really big deal. It's super over everywhere. Boom A is for everyone. Everyone gets into it when you guys go out there and do your thing. Tell us about the idea behind this. What it is. Your thoughts on. I don't know what terms I want to use. Everybody being, everyone being really into it. Um, tell us about that. I know you're very so, proud. So to give credit where credit is due. Um, so like 2019 before I was even a thought in anybody in MOW's mind. 
Tom, I think Thomas was like working on and off the W. And he had, he had, had, him and Court had had some like email correspondence. And uh, Thomas pitched the idea of a black NWO to Court in 2019. Um, fast forward 2021, um, like I, when, I when I was initially brought in MLW, it was under American Top Team. I was with King Mo. Um, I think that lasted like all of like two tapings. Um, and then he kind of went off and did his thing because Dan Lambert went off and did his own thing. Um, so I was just kind of in limbo. Um, so me and me and Court started brainstorming, um, brainstorming ideas. Um, and he sent me, he, he made me watch uh, the Muhammad Ali documentary. I think it's like four parts. It's kind of like a rise and fall of Muhammad Ali. Um, and like, that was my homework and like in, within watching that, he was like, I want you to start thinking of like, uh, like, a, like stable names. Um, and I gave like, I was like suplex syndicate, uh, uh, man, I cannot do even have, hold on, let me see if I have the, uh, the names that I put out there. None of, none of which he liked. But you know, <laughs> a lot of these are too gimmicky. Okay, it's probably they, they're probably all deleted now. Because you know how messages do. But I was put on all these names because I thought all these names were cool. Um and from watching the Muhammad Ali documentary, I didn't even think about Buma. I didn't think about it at all. Court's like Buma Fight Club. And I was like, Yeah, that could be cool. That could be cool. Um, I didn't, and at the time, I didn't know, I didn't, I, you couldn't have told me at the time that, that, that it was going to become what it is. You couldn't tell me that. Um, cause I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't believe you. Um, but like, so I think it was after I won the national the title, we did a press conference announcing the establishment of the Boomerang fight. Uh, me and Mr. Thomas, which it was me. Like, I think this is the first time me and Mr. Thomas, like formally met. We went out there, did our thing, or whatever. Been yeah, because 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 it was just you, and then this dude shows up, and I'm like, "Who is this action star that's with you now?" Like, holy yeah. shit, dude's yeah. tall, jacked as fuck. <laughs> like, goddamn. So yeah, it was a great addition. Tom's what I was telling me. You don't need you don't need a heater. You don't need muscles. You're you're already big as fuck. What what, what are we doing here? This is overkill. Um. You know, stuff that was funny. Uh, I'm glad, but I'm, I'm glad to have comments. Um, so, like, I, I guess at the beginning, like, um, like the producer would always tell me, just, just always envision, continue to envision one day the whole arena chanting Bumaya or whatever. Um, so, like, I would go out there, I would say it, and I think people were like, what the fuck is this guy saying? What is, what is going on here? Um, you know, just like kind of over time or whatever, it's one of those things where you just throw it at the wall. You just and you just keep throwing it at the wall until it sticks. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of where we were at. And then the first time when I started saying Bumae is for the people, and this is when we were still here. I'd come out there, do my fucking like pre match promo, Bumae is for the people. People would still fucking boo. Uh, but I was talking as if they were already behind me. Yeah. Um, so uh, as time kind of carried on um, and the, the people started to get behind, I think it was it was around the time where I had those two matches with Davey Richards, uh, the Thurlin the Filla, and then the match in New York. The match in New York is when things kind of started to turn in my favor. Like, we, me and, before me and Davey locked up, it was like, so I guess you're the baby face tonight because they're booing. Um, and I was like, I mean, what were we going to do? Um, um, so, you know, I just kept rolling with it and rolling and rolling with it. Um, and then I guess kind of fast forward to like the, I think it was the no ropes match. No. Yeah, the no ropes match with, um, actually, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go back. The 
cheesesteak, I think the slapping the dude with the cheesesteak was the moment where things really turned into, <laughs> yeah. into my favor. That's when things, I think that's when things really turned in my favor. Because like, the, the, now that I think about it, that's, that was the first episode of Reels. I started Reels, slapping somebody with a cheesesteak. I ended Reels winning the battle ride. Um, so, like, that moment, slapping the dude with the cheesesteak, like, not everybody's really behind it. And then, like, just kind of like built from there. Like, you gotta think about it. I debuted in Philly. All of my big moments have happened in Philly. All my big moments have happened in all, yeah, all my big moments have happened in Philly or whatever. So you got, so Philly has literally watched me uh, grow as a performer. They went from hating me to loving me. Yes, we did. Uh, I was on the bandwagon um, early, by the way, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so like now, the I think the coolest thing for me is, I mean, like, Hearing them chant Bumaye all the fucking time, whether, whether I'm out there or not, it's dope. But being able to, be, being able to get Bougie a job, get O'Shea a job, in a way, have Thomas keep his job, um, and then provide the opportunity for other wrestlers in the area to just, I mean, I, like I, I always, I'm not promising you anything or anything like that, it's wrestling. But this is a this is an opportunity to be part of something special. Um, yeah. So I I greatly appreciate all the wrestlers that do come out and make the entrance what it is and make the night what it is. I've, I've really seen a lot of people that I know. Yeah. 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 That, that's cool for me. Like, yeah. like just, people will get shouted out on social media, like, yo, I saw this guy, or I saw this chick, this, that, and third. And I think that's dope. Like, that's actual exposure. Um, and like my hope is kind of the same thing with Bougie that happened with Bougie is like people getting plucked out or whatever and actually being like officially in the fight club uh, but like these things take time um, and that's what I always try to instill in people like if you do show up I, I appreciate it I love you for it if you don't I will still love you but I get it um, but it truly has become a movement like I remember saying that Bumai Fight Club is a movement before it was a movement and now it is a movement um, and it is it's, it is Bumai is for the people one one day you'll see our, our an Owen Hart in there one of these days we'll have an hey. <laughs> nah, never mind <laughs> no nah, nah, I, I was about to jump in and say uh, Eric you're the Owen Hart uh, the DAR movement, really. Okay, you, you, okay. you said you're the only, you're the only white dude in the, in the you're the only white the, dude in this whole in the squad. Group. So. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good. Yeah. True, you wanted to jump in and ask about uh, that that training under AR Fox. I did. I have I have a couple of things I want to talk about, but I, I'll start with the AR Fox thing because I find it uh, uh, interesting. Like uh, I feel like a lot of people come up kind of under AR Fox, and he's kind of one of those unsung heroes uh, in professional wrestling. What was it like for you coming up? you know, starting out with AR Fox? Man, um, so I didn't know who Fox was before. Because uh, I, like, I had no, I knew independent wrestling existed, but I didn't know one where to watch it, two where to go. Um, but like, I had, I was looking at wrestling schools. I've been looking at wrestling schools since I was like 18. Um, but like, I just never knew. Uh, when I was 18, 19, I didn't, just didn't have the money to do it. Um, when I got around 25, I was like, it's either now or never, because um, the clock is ticking. Um, as far as for to be, to I think to be a wrestler to be a good one. I mean, yes, with like DDP and shit like that, sorry, old, old-ish or whatever, and was successful, but that's not those times. Um, so like, I went on the website and I was like, you know, looking at all the people that came that are were at the A4. The first person I saw that was like, okay, I'm going to the school, I saw Theory. And I was like, this, why is this dude already on TV? This is like 2018, 2019. Why is this guy already on TV? He looks ready. He looks like a WWE superstar. If, if they can make guys like this, then I definitely have to go here if I want to be, you know, you know, make it anywhere. Um, so I showed up to the school. Um, still haven't looked up anything on Air Fox other than the... Um, other than like the website itself. Um, and then like, I think I looked at like a little like Lucha Underground stuff, but I couldn't find him. 
But I will tell you, the moment I saw locked eyes with this man, I got goosebumps throughout my entire fucking body. Like, you, like, I knew, even though I didn't know who he was, I knew that he was somebody special or somebody important. Um, and he was super, super chill. He answered all of my questions. He even let me get, he, uh, he let me, like, try it for a day. Um, let me get in the room. This is stuff. Um, but like as soon as I like step in the ring, I'm like, yeah, this is it. I'm doing this. I'm going here. I'm doing this. Um, and like when I first when I started training, like like I, like I I think I was telling you like off camera, like Fox never Fox never like pushed how he wrestles on any of us. Um, if any of us wrestled the way similar to how Fox does, that's our own like uh, that's our own choice. Um, but Fox was always like asking like questions like you know what's your background what do you want to do this and third and he all he does is watch wrestling for the most part so he would go and watch guys that were in that similar style come back to training but hey try this do this do this how about we do this that's fucking amazing man yeah so yeah. like he really helped me he really helped me like hone and um and really like put together like the 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 foundation of who I, of what I wanted to be in professional wrestling. Um, and, you know, every now and again, you know, I'll bust out a dive, you know, do the AR Fox, you know what I'm saying? Uh, That's so, awesome. Uh, I'm going to look for that now. Um, but, yeah, he's so patient. Um, like, even now when I go to the school, like, either I'll teach a class or I will, you know, I'm just, you know, there to work on some shit. Uh, like, the approach that I have to some of these, to some of the trainees coming up, and the approach that he has is too totally different. I'm, I'm, I say, I say, because like I'm very, uh, I'm very blunt, um, and then like I'll say it, and the fuck will be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, what he said, but like here's here's a here's a better way to put it. Um, <laughs> the patience that man has is insane. Um, very patient, very, um, very loving, very caring. Um, and very genuine. Yeah, man. I, I also want to say, um, I thought it was funny that uh, I think earlier you tweeted out one of Cam's videos, uh, the "Get Some Bitches" videos. I always think it's funny mm -hmm. when people <laughs> when people tweet yeah. out Cam's uh, "Get Some Bitches" videos. <laughs> I think that's one of the most iconic memes we got. Cam, Cam is a, a friend, a friend of the brand, and is on our shows regularly. So. <laughs> we enjoy seeing him out there. I had to, I had to go and like, I had to like the Twitter downloader app, whatever. I had to go and save that and make sure I had that uh, in my back pocket. Um, that is, uh, that's one of my faves. So perfect. Yeah. Now I, I do have another question because I saw, I, I, I saw it a, a little while back and I thought it was pretty cool. You were in the, uh, uh, the, the, the the Black Wrestlers 500 and on PWI 500, um, both of those, and you were uh, ranked ranked pretty pretty highly. You you were, I believe, 20 on the um, the Black Wrestlers 500 and 34 on the PWI 500. I know those you know those lists tend to kind of create controversy, especially on social media. But like, does that mean uh, a lot to you to see your name? You know what I mean? Like in in the top 35. Uh, yeah. Um... I mean, like I, I'm trying to pull up uh, my ranking numbers over the years, but um, like, I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's somebody's opinion, um, and it, like regardless, it's still cool, um, you know, that somebody took the time to you know look up everything that you've done, um, and rank you or whatever among everybody in professional wrestling, like. I'm up there with fucking like Keith Lee and some and Sammy Zane, or oh, not in the Black Wrestling, like um, and out of all the lists, I'm up there with like a bunch of like people that I look up to in professional wrestling. Um, and to be like and be number twenty on the on the Black Wrestling one is is nuts because like twenty twenty I was two ninety six, and when I when I when when I saw my name on the list, I'm like. This is before like I really started popping off, so I'm like, how did how how does he know who I am? Um, but like, 
you know, every year, I think it was like 2020 was 296, 2021 was 84, 2022 was 35, and 2023 is 20. Uh, and then like, um, so yeah, that's the being being ranked where I'm ranked amongst all the black wrestlers in the world um, is huge. So yeah, man, that is that's dope. Uh, that's dope. Oh, I, I didn't want to cut you off. Eric, can go ahead. No, you're good. It is. It is. Um, the place that you've made a lot of that happen is MLW. Mm-hmm. As the as the the brand the the standard bearer as their champion face of the brand. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what that what that show was like, how it differs from other stuff they could watch, um, reasons to tune in. Man, so I always say, and I think I think some people will try to give me shit for this or whatever, but fuck them, they're hoes. Um, but I feel like MLW just from its presentation, um, it, to me it feels like if the UFC what like really like dove into doing pro wrestling. Um, just from how it is presented, um, how how the setup and, and everything is, how these stories are put together and stuff like that. Um, as far as like the sh- live shows, it feels very intimate. Yes, um, I absolutely attest. Like it's got that TV feel to it, but it's also got that like real intimate feel to it. It's, it's, uh, it, it's definitely big time, but yes, the intimacy of, of, of a smaller show. I've had a, a fucking blast every time I've gone. Even that first night you guys were back when it was like 117 degrees in the arena and the taping was like six hours long. <laughs> Do you remember the show I'm talking about? It was it was so much energy in there, but it was so fucking hot. <laughs> um, I think that was a night we did. Was that Battle Right? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Battle Right. Yep. That um that battle riot was hilarious but terribly put together because like I think it wasn't until like EJ came in and I think he might have been like twenty something that there was an elimination so the ring was just packed with people yeah because it's not a big ring yeah (laughs) do their spot or whatever do some other shit and then like kind of go off to the side. Um, but yeah, like just like I remember when I stepped out on stage for the first time uh, for my match, uh, the not battle right, but the, the singles match that I had, uh, the introduction of Alex King. Um, it it felt like I belonged there. Um, it felt like home. I, I felt comfortable. Um, but like, man. It's like like MOW has also kind of got like an old school feel to it, like a like a Jim Crockett feel to it. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Um, and I mean, may, I don't even know. I don't watch MOW all the time. I don't. I don't know if they're doing that same thing. Um, the stories are compelling, and I'm like, I don't know. What, I don't know what they're like. Stories. Yeah, are no. That, stories are solid. Matches are called fights. Um. Mm-hmm. I think they refer to the women's title as the featherweight title. I really like that a lot. All the belts look fucking great. What's Everything that? Is Everything is fight based. Like yeah. um the 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 those prize fights that I did. Yeah. Like prize fights. The thrilling filler, the big apple grapple. Yeah, um, hell yeah. The Peach State prize fight, which is my favorite. Um it's like there's and also like you really get every style, like on yeah, the absolutely. Like, they have a lucha part. They have hardcore. They have your guys, your stuff, um, big time main event style. Like absolutely, there's a mix. Uh, there's yeah, there's you. MLW is like the best of all worlds, in my opinion. Also, something that is interesting. I don't know. It might pop some people. They say fuck on that show. So, yeah. <laughs> I when 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 Ho didn't get bleached out, I was like, "Oh, we cook it now." Yeah, were you there? Now that we're telling stories, this might be a vague memory, but I'll never forget it. Were you? I know you were there that night because I I remember the match, but I don't know if you were around the curtain or if you were aware of this. 
um, I want to say it was Tom Lawler against, I don't remember who it was against, but they were having a casket match and the fucking lid of the casket snapped off. <laughs> and it's like, shit, a casket lid is pretty fucking crucial for a casket match <laughs> to finish. <laughs> well, cool. I was I wasn't paying attention, obviously. Who did he fucking lose? It was the end of some long video. I wish I could remember it now. Um, but yeah, they ended up, I think, because I think one of them was part of a group or something. So they ended up, everybody lifted the lid like like over, like flat, and just like slammed it down like mm-hmm. all at once instead of closing it. That's how they ended the match. But it was very much like a like I'm just like looking around and like, oh shit, what are we gonna do? Because <laughs> they don't have a casket lid now. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Well, there oh. won't be any of that this Saturday. There will at not Fightland. At Fightland. Tell us about your issue with this fucking guy, Jacob Fatu. And what is going to happen Saturday night? So the match with Fatu is not so much of having, it's not, there's no, there's no beef. There's, there's no, there's no beef. Um, I'm just a shitster. I love Jacket Fatu. One of my favorites. I, I, I got that vibe. But uh, yeah, there's no beef. <laughs> the match with Fatu is green match. I've been wanting to work Fatu since I, since I heard his name. Um, and just saw him work. So generational talent gets thrown around a lot. Um, a lot of people are talking about this guy's generational talent, this guy's generational talent. Most of the guys aren't generational talent. They're, they're cool, but they're not generational talent. But Fatu, like, I have never seen anything like him ever. Like, he's I, big, he's athletic, he's agile. Yeah. Like, in another life, he's probably playing in the NFL somewhere. Um, like, so, like, just, like, watching that and the intensity that he brings, like... How great shit talker. Great shit talker. Like, how would you not want to be in the ring with him? Yeah. How would you not want to test yourself against that? Um, so, like, when I initially won the title, the, the list of Bumaye came out, and, like, I... Look, everything on the list, Jacob Fatu was on that list. I made sure Jacob Fatu was on that list. Um, that's, like, that's, like, that's, the, that's the other match that people were always asking for. Initially, when I got there, it was like, we want to see Alex Cam versus Alex Cam or whatever. So I always got, like, people always said, when is that match going to happen? That match happened. Cool, right off. Beat the ham sandwich. Um, uh, but Fatu was the other match that people would always be like, yo, look, when, this, when, when y'all giving us this match? And now that we have this match, um, we about to do the damn thing. I'm going to beat his ass. I'm going to beat his ass. I got you. I'm not going to – I mean, yeah, yeah, I respect Fatu and everything that he's done. Longest running MLW World Heavyweight Champion. But I'm also not about to be like, oh, it's Jacob Fatu, like uh, – Oh, please don't hurt me. Nah, bro, I'm coming there to, I'm coming there to whoop ass, bro. Like, you a badass? I'm a badass, too. You badass about to clash. You about to do work. You about to get this work. Fuck yeah. I can't wait. In addition, and this is not discounting the challenge that Jacob Fatu is bringing on Saturday, but there's also another issue we got to discuss. It's this, this fucking WTF. What? And bringing in Zack Ryder. To act like he has something to say to the suplex assassin. I need to know what's going to happen with MSL. Looks like he would go up pretty nice for a, for a T-bone suplex. I don't know. He'd flip him around in that little velour suit. That might be something to see. What is going on with WTF and Zack Ryder coming in here, running their fucking mouths? Uh, uh, what is it? MSL Florida Fat Joe has a, a fetish for, uh, I think it's like, uh, what is it? Titan Sports is a fan yeah. for that. Um, I would love the T-Bone Suplex uh, MSL off the top. Though. I'm trying to do it off the top. I'm trying to his life for just just a quick second. He can come back for just a quick second. Um, but uh, man, I think uh, I think the whole WTF thing is lame. Uh, the the name is stupid. Um, you know they have some talented people in there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. Is that 
uh, Zach, Brett, Matt, Cardona, whatever his name is. Um, he's talented. Um, you know, he's really good at reinventing himself. Uh, he's about to reinvent himself into an ass whooping. But, um, yeah, he wants uh, somehow, some way, he got a shot at the belt. Um, so uh, if, when, when, it with or when, you know, get a, get a choose your words wisely. Uh, with this match part two, if I, if I do end up coming out on the, uh, on, on the, on the back end of that, you know, victorious, um, Matt Cardona, though he thinks that, um, he, I think he thinks it's going to be like a cakewalk or that this is going to be, uh, just another day at the office. But, um, I know he's done his death matches and stuff like that. I don't need weapons to inflict the kind of pain that I'm going to inflict on Matt Cardona. I don't like, uh, you, there's not much you can do about being deficient in melanin or whatever. You either, you're either born with it or you're not. Uh, but um, just because you're deficient in melanin doesn't make you tough. But the way that Matt Cardona speaks, the way that he carries himself, um, the way that he thinks he's better than everybody else, that's what makes him a hoe. Um, and I'm going to put that hoe in, in the trash and uh, send his ass packing. Saturday night fight, November 18th. The big matchup, the showdown, the brawl with Jacob Fatu. Following that, if all goes well, we're going to put that hoe in a trash can. MLW one shot Thursday, December 7th. You guys check that out. We are so pumped that we got the world heavyweight champ in the house here at DAF Sports Media. Alex Kane, you are the fucking man. Thank you so much for coming through, man. Thank you for calling me the man. I like that. <laughs> everybody out there stay tuned uh later on this week we got russell wave coming in for a collaboration uh true and the crew has all these albums out all of their uh out there in music land check those out wherever you download digital music check out our guy alex kane whooping ass this saturday night mlw fight land and don't you forget that the world of dar sports media never stops my movement and my mental kept my wins low, yeah, I'm supposed to prove how copping a feel on greatness helped me imprison the notable opposition that's trying to spark with my vision. I'm wine Asian, later low, I show call what time is like emotional, been coachable and learn from my old heads. I treat being amazing like an emergency code red, can raise your name and pimp the game and not keep that